How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. Jay and McLean are here. I am Mike. We got a fully loaded show for the first time in like maybe over a month. I feel like uh, it's true. McLean, you were out last week with travel issues, and we took the week off before that. And then Jay was out because of a tournament. And it's been a while since the three of us are been together. So we got a fully loaded show for everyone tonight. I'm sure it will just create fireworks. and loaded. Yeah, you guys tried to replace me with a tour player or something like that. I mean, I don't know what a guy like that could bring to the table that I don't, but, you know. <laughs> well, if, if you feel any better, he disparaged Boston, too. So, um, uh, uh, maybe, maybe we just add him in. I like it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, hopefully everyone out there had a enjoyable weekend and enjoyed the Open Championship at St. Andrews. Um Jay, congrats, making the cut, playing okay over the weekend at the State Open of Virginia. Um, I know not yeah. as good as you would have liked, but. Yeah, it was all good. It was a good, fun tournament. They did a great job. You know, VSGA and APGA did a good job in um, Independence Golf Club. They set it up great. Um, those freaking greens, I can't read them to save my life. Um, I've played that course since it's opened 20 years now, <laughs> over 20 years. They switched to Bermuda. They look great. They roll great, but the ball doesn't go in when I putt out there. I don't know what it is, but apparently I'm not the only one that had had some issues making putts there. They're just tough. They're just tough greens to read. Um, but it was a great tournament. Um, you know, congrats as a young a young kid um, and from Central Virginia, uh, Nick uh, Tal. I, I pronounce it Talifero, but it's Talifer. Uh, apparently is how they pronounce it, but he had a, a rough back nine, um, made a triple, a bo- double bogey on the 13th hole, a triple bogey on the 15th hole, lost his lead, was tied with, you know, great amateur in the state. Evan Beck went to Wake Forest. The defending champ. Defending champ. And then he birdied 18, you know, a 20 year old kid birdied 18 to win, win his first state open, which, which is pretty cool. So yeah, Nick's um, a, all uh, in all. <clears throat> Nick's a great kid. He actually caddies out the foundry a little bit here and there um, when we need him, when he's available. Uh, he's actually caddied for me, I think, a couple times out there. Um, so I was kind of rooting for him a little bit on, as well as you. But, yeah, I, I'll second yeah. you. I didn't, I didn't play this year. Those greens are impossible to read. They're impossible. I mean, I don't know. They're so had, flat, yet they're I've... still impossible. Yeah, and I think that's what, what makes it really tough is that they're so flat it's just so hard to see the little subtleties in the breaks and the greens but um again shout out to dan taylor he's the superintendent there and uh, he does a great job the course is in great shape um and gift breed is the owner of the golf course he's always doing a bunch of different things to try to make the course tougher they're host of the the second course for the 2024 mid-am um so they're always testing out new tees and they added a few tees this year, uh, which some of them, which some of which are, are really good. So um, if anyone listening is trying to qualify for the 2024 uh, USGA mid AM, you will be playing independence golf club as the secondary site. And it's uh, it's, t- it'll be a good test for sure. Um, but anyway, it was a fun week. I always, anytime I get to play in a competitive tournament, it's good. I don't, I mean, I'm, I don't get to play, but two tournaments a year so. You know, I'm not that sharp. I mean, I was hitting shots out there. My my family came and watched, and my my son was out there, and my father was out there. At both generations, and they both were like, "It's okay, it's okay, okay, good plan, <laughs> good good try." Like, 
They're like, they look, give me this look like, who, who is that? Who is that person in those shots? And, you know, did you try your best, Jay? Did you try your best? I tried your best. (laughs) I made a, made a par putt on the last hole of the second round. And it was like a 10 foot par putt. And I got like all these who, who, you know, cheering and hooting and hurrahing. And I was like, that's when, you know, you're really struggling when you make a 10 foot par putt and everyone goes nuts. Um, But it's all good. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, nice. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to miss you. Um, on Friday and Saturday, I wouldn't have seen you on Sunday anyways, if I played, but, um, yeah. So what, uh, what are you boys drinking? I forgot to ask that. I on Chronolite. going with Chronolite. Oh, yeah. Normal one. Staple. Yep. What um, you got Jaybird. I am going with something that I can't remember. What I in there. <laughs> You've had this blank look on your face. I'm like, is he waiting for me to send it off? Because I looked at three different bottles. I'm like, what am I going to pour tonight? And I was like, what did I pour? And I cannot remember what it was, but it is really good. I have to think about it. Give me a second. I'll think about it. All right. Awesome. <laughs> what about you? So I'm, I, I'm on a road game tonight. Um, have some company in town. And so that has um, sent me to... RPM World Headquarters here in my wife's office, where I've done a few shows remotely before. And I went into our good buddy Matt Branningham's office to steal some of his bourbon, and he's got like eight bottles, and they're all empty. I'm like, what the hell? Buddy, I've got a, a nice decanter in my office with Russell 10 in there. Oh, shit. Well, I stole a couple of White Claws from the RPM <laughs> fridge right now. Um, I got a couple of White Claws that I'm going to work on, and then... Uh, maybe we'll have a slight intermission. I'll head down to your uh, down the hall to your office and have some Russell's yeah. ten. Sounds like I'll be drinking Russell's ten. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they got to have something in here. Uh, I've never yeah. seen this place so dry before in my life. It's unbelievable. That's great. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, all right. Let's get let's get into it. Uh, I thought it was. I got mixed emotions. I'll, I'll start off right off the bat. Mixed emotions with yesterday. It was unbelievable. And awful at the same time. Uh, I was rooting for Rory. I had maybe one of the worst weeks of gambling ever. And I then tried to dig myself out of a hole and put... Which never worked. Put a few hundred dollars on Mr. McElroy yesterday morning to go on tilt and try to get out of said hole. Or at least make the hole shallower. And it got very deep. Um, (laughs) I (laughs) I was in a bad place there for a little bit yesterday. We were going to go to dinner with the family and I'm like... Yeah, honey, can you just like, like water and a salad tonight? You know, <laughs> <laughs> dude. Speaking like a true gambler, like just uh, totally just just. I thought you were a little mess. quiet yesterday. <laughs> I have never been so like nervous and anxious watching golf shots. Um, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't stay in the same room. I was at work, so I'm like bouncing all over the clubhouse and the golf shop outside in the grill room couldn't sit still i was just like yelling at the tv screen members thought i was nuts uh which i partly am but so were they so yeah anyway so back to it cam cam smith with an absolutely epic round of golf to come from four back shoot 64 30 on the back nine five in a row from 10 through 14 was just um something to watch you know it really was it was it was impressive i thought he shot himself Ah, uh, the t- golf tournament with that seventy-three on Saturday. Um, 
I was really confident it was going to be McElroy. We'll we'll get to him in a second. Let's give the champion his due. But yeah, I mean, Cam just putting his ass off like we've seen a bunch this year. Yeah, and to me, one of the, I should say, the most impressive part in my eyes were his lag putts um, from long distance a couple times. You know, he had that one even around the putter or around the bunker that he putted. About 17 was huge. Uh, I mean, it was incredible. No one gives um, credit to how hard that is. I mean, you, you tug that a little bit into that bunker and your championship's over. Uh, Cause it's going to sit right up next to that wall. But uh, long story short, like I said, his lag putting was incredibly impressive. And I think that's really what won the golf tournament for him. Um, he lagged it on what the 14 long one in there for birdie. Um, he just continuously from long distance turned very tough two putts into basically formalities. Yeah. I mean, even the one on 18 there, you know, you know Cam, Cam Young hits a great tee ball. He's got a good look at Eagle, which he eventually made, but there was no pressure. It was a tap in. Um, Cam Young's putt did not matter one bit. Then forced Rory into having to make an Eagle to, to try to force a playoff. But yeah, his, his, his putting is always solid, but his lag putting was really, really good from off the green. You know, these guys are putting from all over the place at St. Andrews, especially with how firm it was where some of these whole locations uh, were put this weekend. And we'll discuss kind of how the course played. But yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, he, I think he didn't have to drive it very well at St. Andrews. He stayed out of the bunkers, which was really the big thing. Um, we all know he's got a great iron game, a great wedge game, and can putt it well. And when you're hitting a lot of wedges and um, at St. Andrews and having to rely on putts because it seems like somebody somebody made a joke. It was the two putt birdie open because there was a lot of that going on. Um, I'll I'll take the guy with, you know, I don't know where he ranked stroke gain putting on tour this year, but he's the best putter in my eyes um, that I've seen in the last couple of years. Well, he's certainly the best right now. I mean, he's the hottest yeah. without question coming off that and what he did on that back nine. I mean. You're right. I forgot about the one on 18, but to do that under pressure and what I don't know what that elevation change is, but it's pretty drastic. And yeah. he stepped up there and he, again, turned it into a formality um, with everything on the line, especially with Cameron Young, who I can't wait to talk about here in a few minutes. Um, but with what he did was um, incredibly impressive. He sealed the deal quickly and moved on about his business. I mean, he, he did it very almost ho-hum like. And uh, yeah. it was it was very impressive to see, and especially because ninety five percent of that place was rooting for Rory, and he oh, just yeah. didn't care. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it was you, you with, don't with wear that a kind of pressure too. Little <laughs> scraggly mustache. If you care what people think, he does not care. Yeah. Um, but just to just to on the year he's twelfth strokes game putting, yeah, um, and second approach to the green, which not surprising, but. For a guy who doesn't hit super long, usually the guys who are the long guys end up hitting, you know, shorter clubs into the greens, their approach to the green, they're the guys who usually end up being the, the guys on the top of that list, but he's not the longest. That just goes to show how good he is with his mid-iron game and his And, and he's his not the straightest either. I mean, if that guy drove it in play, I don't, I don't know. He may win every other event. I mean, just based on how good he is from inside of like 175 yards. Yeah. And and no joke. Right now. Yeah, I, he I agree. He reminds me a lot of he reminds me a lot of Jordan Spieth back in the day 
when he was playing like this primo golf, like he was Jordan Spieth, his wedge play and short mid iron play were, was really good. The best putter on the planet drove it all over the place. Um, yeah. And he just found a way to keep it in play enough to where he could have an iron in the green. And it was just like, you can't, it's hard to compete with a guy who's making every 25 footer you look at. Um, so I, I'm, I, I'm not going to say that this is going to come to an end anytime soon, but it wouldn't surprise me if he went on a cold streak like Jordan and just all of a sudden is like, I'm driving it too far out of play. And maybe I'm not quite as sharp with the 20 footers. And now all of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm struggling. Like I'm, you know, I, I'm not, I'm jumping the gun here, but I'm, oh, yeah. he does. He, he has a lot of similarities to the way Jordan Spieth played, you know, four five, six, seven years ago when he was on that heater, where it was like, he felt like he was unstoppable. But if you really looked at the numbers, it's not sustainable, you know? Yeah. That's uh, exactly what I was going to say. It's not sustainable. And that's a great comparison with, with Spieth. Um, and he kind of has that bulldog mentality. He likes grinding it out a little mm -hmm. bit. It's, it's hard not to like Cam as a, as a person or a guy. He, he just seems chill and laid back and, um, I was not rooting for him yesterday, but it's, it's typically, it's not, um, not something. And, and I, another I, word is he's, he's going to, he's going to defect here. Um, that would be a reason to not root for him or like him, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that, uh, uh, in a little bit, but yeah, it's just ride it, ride the wave while you're hot. Right. You know, just like Spieth did, if, if he can do it right now and it, you know, it's a shame this was the last major and we're not going to have another one for, a while, but um, we'll see where he plays moving forward and um, yeah. what he does. But yeah, it, yeah, for you're right. For a guy who doesn't drive it that long and doesn't drive it that straight, to be number two in approach, and to then also be one of, if not the best putter on tour, is lethal. Yeah, that's that's, that's a good combo. So that uh, stroke is. That stroke is really, really good. It's so good. Oh, yeah. You, you know, when, when you watch it, you know what it reminds me? It reminds me of Ricky Fowler's stroke like five years ago. Yeah. You know, just like he, it, everything is so, so tight and connected, like from his arms. And it's literally just, he, he's just like moving the putter head with his hands just ever so slightly. And it's just like he, every putt is like pure and it goes, it goes in the center of the hole, like diving down every putt. I mean, kind of like what Tiger did when he was, you know, in the mm -hmm. early 2000s, he was making everything. It was like, as soon as it left the putter face, you're like, that's in. It's, it's not going anywhere but in. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing. Cool it's, uh, it's, I love how low he keeps the putter both back and through, and the rhythm mm -hmm. never changes. It's the same tempo on every putt, every situation, whether it's 65 feet from off the green or it's a six-footer for par. It's, it's always consistent and the same. It's just money. Well, in, I think that's an underrated, that's an underrated part of putting. Everyone works on their, their, you know, the stroke and, you know, a face angle, like, are you opening, closing too much? And where's the face throughout the swing? And it's like, but the, the rhythm of the, the stroke is what dictates how easily you can re return that, that square face to impact. And I think you see a lot of guys who open and close it a lot. I've watched Billy Mayfair put it and have the craziest looking stroke you've ever seen, but with good rhythm. And you're like, there's a lot of weird strokes out there, but the sense of rhythm and the sense of face control and how to get, how do I get the putter face back to square? And I do it as easily as I can, you know, each player as easily as they can. 
those you see, those are the guys like Brad Faxon, like incredible rhythm. Like they just understand the, the, the pace of the stroke back and through to, in order to get that face back to square every time. And that's really what it comes down to. Like, how do I take the putter back, create enough momentum to get the, the ball rolling at the right speed, but also get the face back to what I feel is square. Like it's really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. And that dude is as good as anybody at, in their best, in their best moment. Well, his rhythm's also why his lag putting is so good too. His speed control sure. is just money. Sure. Yeah. It's just money. As I watch, I actually put the uh, the golf on and the, uh, the golf channels replaying the final round. As we, I just watched Hovland from 80 feet, leave it 12 feet short. Um, not good. Not good. And there's a, there's a guy that doesn't have the, the rhythm of the stroke down. Yeah. Um, well, his rhythm's so impressive. He, every time he hit one of those long lags, <laughs> what you got there, Jay? Pinky's up. He still doesn't know what he has. I, I, I do. I remembered what I have now. Okay. <laughs> this is this is Larceny Barrel Proof, uh, oh. Batch B five twenty one. Oh, I've got I've got five twenty two. I've heard five twenty one. It is. Um, it's good. It's strong, but it's really good. So. If I if I get a little loose by the end of this and you guys are telling me to shut up, that's it, it fine. was like a light bulb went off in your head. Your eyes just like, oh shit, I remembered. That's great. That's great. He flagged us down with the pinky. Flagged us down with the pinky and the yeah. little beaker from his son's chemistry set. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. That's uh, pretty much what this looks like, but that makes the bourbon taste so much better. I you need it. to get you need to get a couple of these little sniffers. I'm gonna have to. Do you put your mouth around the whole thing and just gonna tip it up or <laughs> all right? Anyway, no, the going back to Cam Smith's tempo though. I watched him, I watched him hit a couple of uh those longer putts, and I swear I thought that they were so far short because his tempo is that good and his rhythm is that good. He was hitting 65 foot putts and they look like he's hitting 10 foot putts. And of course we all know where yeah. they ended up um, and certainly figured out a way to put the trophy in his hand pretty quickly. But um, it was very impressive to see how, uh, how well he adapted on those greens and how successful he was. Yeah. It fits two beers, by the way, if you have watched any of the uh, post round coverage, he was curious of how many beers it would fit. He, he guessed two. And then this morning, in the airport, somebody took a video of him. He said it fits two beers. Um, then there was someone on his plane. He was heading back to Jacksonville. Was showing him carrying the case with the claret jug, and he was putting it in the overhead compartment. And all I could think <laughs> of, of all it was was meet the Fockers when Ben Stiller. And I just wanted a stewardess or a flight attendant. Excuse me, sir. You're gonna have to check that. Like fuck that. I'm not checking this thing. Like this is staying <laughs> with me. Was he in business class or was he in first class? Well, he's fine. Really commercial it looked like it was just kind of like business class. Like it didn't look. No way. Come yeah. on, Cam Smith. <laughs> but yeah, he was trying to put the case of the clear jug in the overhead compartment. I would have bought another seat for it. That's great. <laughs> well, if I had just won 2.5, I'd have bought a net jets or something. Yeah. yeah. Probably. I don't know. He's smarter than I am, though. Definitely would have splurged on a net jet with all my buddies and just took it Absolutely. to yeah. Drank out of the claret jug the entire way. Entire home. way home. Yeah. 100%. Just go back to Jacksonville, just sloppy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's, any more on Cam? I mean, 
good champion. Um, I, I regret I, I wanted to pick him at the beginning of the week, and I didn't. And it's easy to say that now, but a lot of my picks I went the wrong way on. So, well, it's it's so funny that everyone is kind of behind a guy with his look. You know, he, we all know that he does it kind of out of fun, and certainly he, he came out and said at one point that he likes or he keeps the mustache around because it pissed off his girlfriend. I like that immediately. I'm like, yeah, I can get behind. I can get that behind that kind of, of trickery. I'm definitely behind some shit like that. Um, that why you have that beard right now? No, she, I'm threatening to shave it into a mustache. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's not going to go over well, and that's what I'm looking for. Oh, I like I like that look. I, sh- I had a huge beard. Obviously, you guys saw me la- last week or two weeks ago, and I shaved the beard and left the mustache. But I trimmed, so it's like a five o'clock shadow with the mustache. I didn't leave the 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 mullet. My wife would definitely not let me do that. But I walked out and I had this huge mustache with this five o'clock shadow. Look like a bum, and she was like, <laughs> "When." And she's like, when are you shaving that? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to let it ride for a couple of days. And she's like, you will not. You will not. <laughs> I'm going to go, go buy a minivan and get some candy. I'm going to be a pedophile. <laughs> yeah. Last time I did it, she was like, turn around right now. <laughs> get that off your face. Not allowed within 50 yards of a Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> right. God, I don't know why I keep being questioned with my own kids. It's super awesome. <laughs> Uh, so, which, have you flown with your kids recently? Yeah, it's awful. Well, especially when they get up there and ask, like they ask the kid to prove their name and the kid's trying to get there. And of course we call Bo, Bo, and his real name is Robert McLean Boyd. So <laughs> we're sitting there, Hey, what's your name? Or the person asked him, what's your name? Is? Bo, Bo Boyd. And we're like, no, what's your real name? He's like, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Robert remember, remember what we practiced. Remember what we practiced. <laughs> what we practiced. That's exactly how it feels. That Get is it exactly right. how it feels. The TSA is like looking at you like, okay, let's, t- let's step to the side, please. Step yeah, to the side. That's exactly how it feels. Oh, oh God. So, uh, all right, let's, let's get into Rory. So, an amazing year. Here's a crazy stat. Um, Good buddy of ours, Mike Ferguson, listener, just texted this to us. I did read this earlier from Kyle Porter of CBS. Rory beat or tied 97.5% of the golfers he faced this year in the four majors and somehow didn't win. And so I think most people were rooting for Rory. Obviously, there at St. Andrews, they were, I think, a lot of oh, yeah. us where we all want to see him um, back in the winner's circle. We all love the guy. I've given him a hard time for not winning, but not because I don't love the guy, but just because I want to see him win. And he's been playing great all year in the majors, kind of almost had on cruise control. And for the most part, did what he was supposed to do yesterday, except a couple putts just didn't fall. Um, He hits all 18 greens. He has two birdies, no bogeys, all two putts. Two birdies were two putts. And I don't. He had like, eighteen I, greens yesterday. He had all eighteen greens. He had thirty-six putts. Could you, if you, you would have told if Rory the start of the final round, hey Rory, you're gonna hit eighteen greens tomorrow. And no bogeys. You take it. Yeah. And no bogeys. Will you take it? He would be like, absolutely. Sign me up. I'm gonna win my second British Open. No questions asked. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's so, I mean, he just needed a couple to follow. He didn't, he didn't birdie, uh, nine drivable par four. He didn't birdie 12, another drivable par four. He didn't birdie 14, um, par five, five, you know, and he just didn't get it in the hole. And that was the kicker that him not birding 14 because he knew 15, 16, 17 were not birdie, really birdie holes. And then obviously 18 obviously would have been, but he was two shots back at that point. He needed to, he needed to make Eagle. Yeah. And so it, it it was heart wrenching and he hit a lot of good putts. Like normally you, we've seen Rory over the years struggle with his putter and not really have that rhythm that we were just talking about with, with Cam Smith. But to me, he hit a lot of good putts. His stroke looked pretty good. And even someone put together a montage on social media of like all of his, birdie putts yesterday that were somewhat reasonable not the ones that were 50 feet right that yeah. you know inside 30 feet that had a, a somewhat of a chance to potentially make and they were all pretty good putts like he left on 13 he left one like two inches short dead center um he just didn't make him i don't know you could maybe argue he played a little too conservative into some of the greens and that's why he had so long um on some of them but i think it just comes down to he just didn't bury those easy holes the, the gettable ones he put it the same way on the at the final round of the U.S. Open this year. I mean, he could have he, he could have won by five. I mean, I hate to say that he's teeing off like an hour, hour and a half ahead of the leaders. He could have won by five shots. Obviously, he didn't know that at the time. You know, playing, um, you know, playing the way he did. But I mean, he could have easily dominated. You know, uh, no, was it was that? Yeah, yeah, was that. Uh, that was at the country club where he went off early and just yeah. had, went on a heater early with 400 through five. And then, and then you watch, uh, I know I, I didn't see anyone, you know, create a montage of all of the putts that he missed, but I watched it live. And like, it was like eight or nine holes that he had putts inside of like 15 feet. And they were just skimming the edges, skimming yeah. the edges, skimming the edges. And it's like, that's gotta be maddening for a player. It's maddening, especially when you're hitting it that well, that well, and you're not seeing, not seeing the putts drop, it's just uh, uh, it'll drive you absolutely bonkers. I've never been a good enough ball striker to hit that many greens and have that many putts, but I can only imagine. <clears throat> McLean, what was your take on Rory? I got to be honest. I thought it was over. Uh, I thought it was over Friday. It Where he was, the current form of his game and the control he was already showing. I thought it was just going to end up being kind of a survival of the fittest situation. He was going to just kind of continuously stay in the mix, put himself out front, and then just kind of stay there. I I honestly thought it was going to be pretty much drama-free, but it looked almost a foregone conclusion. And I – we have to talk about Cam Young in a second because the fact that he hung in there with everything going on, I think it's absolutely incredible. Um, but with where he was and everyone else around him, again, I just thought Rory was going to be Rory, shoot 67, 68-ish, and just kind of just kind of coast through yeah. this thing. Just just absolutely coast through this, uh, collect the trophy, and just kind of go on, stay two, two to three shots ahead pretty much all day. Um, you could not have forecasted what Cam went out there and did. But at the same time, you also have to expect <clears throat> on a course like that, playing like that, uh, that you're you're going to see some low numbers. 
Um, so Cam went out and won the golf tournament. Rory just kind of let it slip away. Uh, I think this is one of those situations where you could almost argue that he really did kind of just let this slip away. Um, there wasn't any major, major issue getting in his way. To, there wasn't poor weather. There wasn't anything really overshadowing to the day to where he shouldn't have been able to go out there under, uh, under the current conditions of the golf course and considering the tournament and just kind of ho-hum a 68, 67 out there. Uh, he let it slip away. I think at the end of the day, Rory feels that way. You could tell he was pretty much dejected after the round. And I think it's something that's going to sting for a little while. Um, not to take away anything that Cam did, but that was Rory's golf tournament. He was handed that on an absolute silver platter. The guy failed to capitalize. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think he, he didn't choke. He didn't. I, I agree. I don't think he choked. He, he didn't give it away like we've seen him throw opportunities away in the past. He looked very, like you said, very in control all four days, like of his emotions, of his swing, of his game plan. It looked like he was sticking to what he was doing and executing it. The stage, there was almost a part of it that to me almost felt like, I guess, destiny or fate, like the 150th open at St. Andrews. And if it will get the tiger a little bit later too, but Tiger finishes on 18. Rory's walking down one fairway. They have a cap tip to each other. It was almost like a passing of the baton Eight. kind of thing. Like, he's going to do this. Like, it's going to happen. And then it just didn't. <laughs> like, I thought, I thought there was zero chance Hovland was going to factor into the tournament, which I was correct on that standpoint. Yeah. He was the first time he's ever tasted any kind of contention in a major I don't like his nerves around the green with the with the chipping and the putting. And I, I didn't think he was going to factor in at all. And just like you were said, I, I thought he was going to go out there and shoot a 68 because that almost seems like what the par of that golf course was playing and never really be close. I, I was not going to be surprised if, you know, one of the camps, you know, teased a charge there and I didn't think they were going to go away quietly, but yeah. I didn't think it would really jeopardize his win. and. It, it kind of like it came fast, even though it was like a slow bleed. It was like, okay, he's got, you know, at one point, I think he had like a two or three shot lead. I can't remember exactly where everyone stood at, at a, a certain time. And then ooh, we got a little closer. Oh, can't well, that, another break. That's when I think, yeah. that, that's when I think you, like in a championship like this, when you have a, what did he, he had a two shot lead. Oh, no, he was tied with, where, him and Dick tied. They were tied, but like they had two shot, two shots clear of the next person, right? And he was playing with Victor. They were four, four shots clear, and they were playing together. So, obviously, you've got to. And again, I'm not. Rory's won four majors now. I, I'm not going to tell him how to do it, but you have to set, you have to set these many goals for for yourself in terms of what you want to shoot. When you have a, when you're four shots clear of any other player in any other group other than the player that you're playing with. You set these goals. I mean, and because it's easy to get locked into the guy that you're playing with. And if the guy that you're playing with is playing bad and you just try to beat him, you forget about the other players in the field. If you look at the scores, no one in the uh, Victor and Rory shot the two worst scores of anyone in the top 20. I should take that back in the in the top minus Siwoo Kim and the what is in the top 20, the top 19. Everyone was 
you know, three to three to seven, eight under par. And and Rory and Victor shot the two worst scores in the top 19. So th- that's there's th- they missed the mark in, in how the course was playing. Like, like again, they got wrapped into their own game. Like, I need to beat you, and I need to beat you. And it's like, hey, there's there's a there's a lot of other people that are playing here, and the course is not playing difficult. So again, I know it's I'm being hypercritical here, but it's like Rory's got to get to the. I mean, this is what Tiger would do. He's like, look, I'm gonna go out here and shoot. 67. And that means that the next closest guy is going to have to shoot seven or eight under par, you know, to beat me. And again, Cam Smith shot eight under and and beat him, but he was only four shots back. But had he had Rory shot four under, you know, we'd be in a, we would have been in playoff. And and if you shoot four under and, and somebody else shoots eight under in the last round and and you get in a playoff, then that's fine. But you got to know the, you got to know the course, know the conditions and know what you're capable of shooting and set those goals. And you got to stick to it. You know, again, I I know we're, this is all hypotheticals and we're arm playing armchair quarterback here, but again, Rory is, is one of the most talented guys. And, and I think if he had a little bit more of that, uh, that fire, that like grit and that like, competitive he is a competitive guy I and mean, then i'm not going to say that we've seen him throw clubs into the <laughs> into the water at bay hill in doral or wherever it was but i mean he's a competitive guy but it's like having that killer instinct knowing like this is what needs to be done and like you almost have to you have to almost have that premonition and tiger obviously that's once in a century type of player that has that mindset of like hey this is what's going to happen this is this is what the this is the potential of the next guy behind me. I need to do this. And he always Tiger always was one better than what everyone else thought, you know, you know he should be and he was always on on the other other end. You know, and that's and I feel like Rory, I know I'm going on a little rant here, but Rory is always as talented as he is, he's always on he's always on the wrong side of that. He's always one shot behind. Mm-hmm. It's like he he's not estimating or guesstimating correctly it's like he should have come to that tee looking at the conditions looking at the way that people were playing it ahead of him hit all day to watch him like hey i'm watching this the guys are shooting they're pretty much everyone's birding this hole this hole this hole i should shoot 60 you know 68 67 a day without even thinking about it and you you got to have that goal set in your head and then you know if i surpass it great but if i shoot my 68 67 i'm gonna put a lot of pressure on the next guy to play an unbelievably perfect round now if he had gone off to an earlier start on those easy holes in the first 11 holes uh, and gotten to four under does cam Smith push too hard and maybe make a couple of bogeys coming in and, and shoot six under instead well, of eight. Because cam Smith can be a really over aggressive sometimes too and get him in trouble. Exactly. So if he, you know, as Rory wasn't, didn't have the pedal down and was not making birdies, Cam's like, Hey, I got a shot. I got a shot. I got, let me just keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to make pars and make birdies and make bur- parties and make pars and make birdies. And I'm in it. And then before he know before he knew it, he was like, I- "I'm leading, you know. Hey, come catch me, Rory." So it was too, by that point it was too late because Rory was on the back nine, the second half of the back nine at at, at St Andrews, which there's some hard holes and there's not as many birdie holes. You got to get them all up front. <clears throat> so yeah. I, I just feel like this happens a lot for Rory. Um, and you know, I don't know, I don't know. You know, you you want a player to be a certain person, and you forget to look at how incredibly talented they are because they don't win every event, but because he's always in the mix and we want him to win every event. But you know, some people just, it's, it's hard to have it all. It's hard to, it's hard to be ultra talented. Um, you know, 
you know, great work ethic, very personable and have a killer instinct. Like, come on, like we're, we're looking for the asking looking for, for a, a unicorn lot. right now, you know, like, I'll be honest, like Tiger wasn't as charismatic and wasn't as, uh, he's not as well balanced as Rory is probably a, from a life perspective and a social perspective. I think Tiger probably missed a lot of that stuff as a kid where Rory got that. And maybe that's hurt him from a competitive standpoint because he's so balanced. He knows how difficult and how hard the game is that he doesn't take it for granted. And he doesn't have that um, that crazy sense of I'm better than everybody at this game just because because that's the way Tiger was brought up. Um, and Roy doesn't have that. So it's like, what, what do you want? You know, do you want the guy who is ultra talented and is, is a stubborn, you know, uh, asshole that competitive asshole um, that's going to win. Sure. We like watching that, but you know, from a fan, you're like, ah, he's, he's kind of a jerk. And, but, or do you want Rory who like does everything right, super talented, but just doesn't have that last little bit of competitive fire that holds him back from winning. You know, who knows? Rory could have won 10 majors by now. Easy. If he had yeah. fire. I mean, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I know we're, we're splitting hairs here, but. It's um, yeah. God, I was gutted for him. I was gutter for him and my bank account, but um, I just, <laughs> you know, I, I, I just, I was like almost in shock. I thought he was like, no doubt, like we're going to watch a coronation today and yeah. this is what's supposed to happen. And I, again, give it a cam. He, he went out there and, and, and stole it and took it and redeemed himself after what I, again, like I thought, shoot himself in the foot on Saturday and, and playing himself almost out of the tournament. He was uh, yeah, very, very, very impressive, and and I feel for Rory, and hopefully he can he can bounce back from this. And um, yeah, Rory, if you're listening, you don't owe me any money. You just got to come on the podcast, and we'll. Just... <laughs> you so, don't owe me any money. No, um, I'm not no going to hold deal. that against you. No IOUs or anything. Just come on the pod. So, yeah. So, um, some of the other guys in in the in the field, we touched on Hovland just. I think it was his first taste and he'll, he'll get better. And if he gets himself more tastes, but I, I don't think anyone really expected him to win this, well, even though he was tied for the lead. Let me go ahead and solidify this for him next year. Validified. Uh, validify this without question. Um, he cannot win a major if he keeps chipping the way he does. So right. Look for Just him, him at the Masters. Get on him right now. <laughs> he is it up. He is up. You're going to win, Hovland. Bet on Hovland because McLean just yeah. called him out and said he will yeah. not win chipping like that, if, which if is the I right be, thing to say. It is 100% the right thing to say because he yeah. he really cannot win if he chips like this. Considering I just put 100 on it, it's a great thing to say. I'm <laughs> I'm trying to deal with the ghost, man. He is statistically but. last on the PGA Tour in strokes gain around the greens. Is he, he is really dead last, Go at and least going still, into this week. And still competing for a major. And still a top 10 in the world. He is dead that's last. How, that's how good of a ball striker he is. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he, I actually, he, I think part of the reason he got away with, you know, playing so well this week is because he didn't have to chip. He could just yeah. bail away on that but, putter from around the greens yeah. and not have to worry about chili dipping one or boning it 60 yards over. <laughs> you know, imagine if he, he could have boned one at that place with how firm that was. I mean, he would have been three holes over. Like, well, l- listen, listen to these stats real quick. I'm just going to read them off. It's just pretty. This is how 
a strokes gain off the tee, 18th. Strokes gain approach to the green, 10th. Strokes gain putting, 29th. That's pretty good. Strokes gain tee to green, 60th. Strokes gain total, 39th. Scoring average, 34th. Driving distance, 31st. Driving accuracy, 61st. Greens and regs, 64th. Strokes gain around the green, 205. Every statistical, <laughs> major statistical category, he's in basically in the top third, if not top 10%. And he is, like you said, basically almost dead last and strokes gain around the green. That is incredible. Remarkable. That is incredible. I mean, yeah. th- this guy's <laughs> got to be the best ball striker on tour. He's damn good. I mean, he's, that's... he fucking better be the best ball striker on tour because <laughs> Jesus, I, I got some members that I put up against him around the greens. Holy hell. Jeez Louise. I wonder if his friends just fuck with him. Like, Hey man, let's go chip for a hundred. Yeah. Can <laughs> <laughs> we putt? Nah, nah, man. We go chip. Yeah. We, we get closer to the pin. Nah, we chipping. We're yep. chipping. <laughs> we chipping. All day. We're chipping all day. God damn Maybe he needs more of that. I don't know. I, I did. There was there was a part of me that I was like, one of them, he went, I'm like, please, please take the wedge out. Please take the wedge out. I want to watch this. <laughs> I want you to bone this thing. Like, not to root against them, but I just wanted to, you know, just like watching Zalatoris at a fourth quarter. I don't want to watch, but I want to watch. I just want to see. I just want to see this. I just want to see this. Uh, <laughs> he, he did have one from like 55, 60 yards that was kind of in the rough. And he like just laid the side over it and didn't even get it on the green. I forget what hole that was. Um, it was on the back nine. It might have been thirteen, um, thirteen or sixteen. I forget which hole it was. He bogeyed, but yeah. So I, again, he just needs more more experience in a major up there. Yeah. Um, but I know McLean, you wanted to chat about uh, Mr. Cameron Young. I mean, what what's not exciting about that? What he did, I thought, is absolutely incredible. You know, I think Jason over some stats, or Mike, maybe you said over some stats talking about his meteoric rise uh, to where he is currently. And the fact that he, I thought, hung in there in obvious biggest situation he's ever been in in his life. He hung in there like a veteran. Um, I think the putt was a little easier on 18, knowing that Cam had literally just cozied it up there. But at the same time, he still knocked it down. He still hung in there all Sunday. He hung in there all tournament and got put himself in the situation. And the fact that he, uh, I keep saying the fact that maybe that's going to be my new fucking phrase. You guys, <laughs> you guys got me with my transitions. Uh, so now I'm like, I'm, I'm like grasping constantly for we're, we're new in, We got in your head. And then I wear that. The fact yeah, is, the fuck, yeah. With that being said, what's fact another one? That, what's another one? Come on, said, let's go through it. With that being um, said. There's another one. Um, long story oh, short. Yeah, long story story short. short. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love it. it. You're going to have the yip soon with us at some point. (laughs) Yeah, you guys are giving me a fucking stutter. (laughs) Unbelievable. I can't even even make a transitional point anymore because I don't know where to go. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. You you just go to um, 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 you know. um, um, That's what I do. I'm the king of um. (laughs) But regardless... Oh, there we go. Yeah, regardless of which, <laughs> regardless of which, that's the other one. <laughs> regardless of which, um, the guy has some game. Yeah, 
I love the one nine two ball speed. I mean, he got up there with some red ass and was absolutely blistering them through the wind out there. Um, he, he looks like a fun player to watch. I like his golf swing. He's the uh, American Hideki Matsuyama with the little paws up there. But when he yeah. unleashes, <coughs> buddy, he is unleashing. It's gone. So I played with um, I played with a, a buddy of mine, Dustin Groves. So Dustin played at Wake Forest and uh, from 2004 to 2008 and played uh, in caddy for Kyle Reifers, who's still back and forth, PGA Tour, Corn Ferry Tour, but also played one or two years with Webb, Webb Simpson. So we were, you know, playing uh, this weekend at the Virginia State Open, and he said, who would have thought, you know, I said, when I played with Webb Simpson, he was the best player in the country. He's like, I would have never thought at age 36 he would be the third best player from Wake Forest on tour. And I was like, I was like, who, I was like, who is better than him from Wake Forest? And he was like, Will Zalatoris and Cam Young. And I'm like, Jesus, you're right. I was like, they're on the God same team. Damn, they're just spitting out some, some studs. I mean, both of those guys have just been contending in majors, like the biggest events. They're both up there. I mean, I know Will. This was his kind of first experience with St Andrews um, and the British Open, but. I mean, he's been up there forever. I mean, he finished like what twenty something this week, so obviously had a good, still had a good week. But I mean, those guys have been in the mix for almost every major between the two of them. There's been a Wake Forest guy finished in the top five of every major this year, which is pretty incredible. Both both young guys, but um, I, I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't even it didn't even connect the dots there with those two guys and how well they've been playing and both both uh, Demon Deacons, but um, pretty incredible. So I I don't love his golf swing. It's aggressive. It's an aggressive golf swing. Cam Young. I'm, I don't love it. I, I don't know if that exaggerated pause will always hold up under pressure. If his tempo and his rhythm and his transition stays the same every time. And I will say this. This was not my original idea, but and he makes a valid point. You guys might roll your eyes. But I did see Randall Chambly did a, a breakdown of his swing earlier in the week. I can't remember which night it was. He's not a great iron player. His golf swing is really good hitting a golf ball off a tee with a driver. The way he uses his lower body, he doesn't exactly get on top of it and compress it. Um, he, the way he squats and kind of launches up on it, it's great to hit up on a driver and get some high ball speeds and low spin and be second strokes gain off the tee. But he's 102nd approach the green. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure that's going to be good enough to be consistent enough. Um, great point. So I agree. I I was looking at the same, same, same stats there. Incredible, incredible. I mean, second strokes gained off a tee, uh, and putting he's he's obviously, a. I mean, 57th strokes game putting. So he's a fairly decent serviceable. All the other stats are, are built off of, of how incredibly great he is off the tee. Like his strokes gain total 16th. Strokes gained T to green 22nd, but all that stems from him being one of the best drivers of the golf ball. But again, you, you go back strokes gained approach to the green 102 uh, and then strokes gained around the green 91 that we can see where his weakness is there. And that's probably what holds him back in all the other events. Um, you know, we see him, we've seen him a couple of times in, in some of these majors and he's played great. And it seems like he, he's got a, um, a knack for the, the big event. Um, but I don't know if he's got like the Brooks Kepka disease there where it's like when the bigger the event, that's when you show up. But for the, you know, day-to-day events, it's like, 
he doesn't get up for it. And then we see all the weaknesses kind of pop out. Like if he's not having, if he's not totally focused with his long game and smashing it off the tee or the course doesn't set up for him, we don't know. We don't hear from him. Um, I don't yeah. know. And you're right. That's I, I noticed the exact same thing. Like 10 minutes ago when I was scrolling through his stats, I was looking at the exact same thing. I was like, wow, he's really not very good ball striker. And we all no. know how we love our ball. Strikers. We all love, we love the ball strikers here, at the Merchant Night golf podcast. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, like he, he is, I mean, he's up there with Rory. If you look at, you know, everyone says Rory is probably the best driver of the golf ball. Cause not only is he can hammer it and long, he's also straight. Um, he's up there too. He's not as straight as, as Rory, but he's, he's hammering it. So I, I don't know. I, I would love to see him just change that swing slightly to get, just help him get a little bit more left, a little bit more on top of the golf ball. Yep. You know, he, he keeps his weight pretty centered. He has that, you know, if, if anyone's familiar with George Gankus, he has a very similar lower body move and transitions as, as George Gankus teaches his students, which his students hammer it and hit it long off the tee. Um, but how accurate are they? But how accurate are they? And so I, I do, I do question that a little bit with Cam, but he's the runaway rookie of the year. I, I'm not even sure who else would be in his class. Um, this year. And then just like you were saying, McLean, those stats that, that I had sent out earlier kind of from where he was a couple of years ago is remarkable. 2019. He missed um, the first stage of Q school by six strokes. So had no status anywhere. Summer of 2020, he Monday qualified into a corn ferry tour event. Earns, he finishes top 25. He earns a special temporary exemption onto the ter- uh, temporary card on the tour 21 he wins back-to-back events to basically earn enough money to secure his card and then now he is you know he's tied finished tied for third in the pga championship second in the open and will be the runaway rookie of the year so it's it is good i mean the guy the guy has some chops he definitely has got a, a set of balls on him and, and not afraid of the moment and so this experience is just gonna, just kind of like Hovland, it's gonna make him better and better. And um, he doesn't have much of a personality. It's hard to get much out of him in an interview. He, yeah, very quiet. Him. It's a very quiet interview. Um, yeah. Speaking of though, talking about strokes gain off the tee year to date, Cam Young's number two. Who's number one? Rory. Rory's number three. John Rom. John Rom. John Rom gain, gains 1.1 strokes off the tee compared to his his part playing playing counterparts, which that that's another that's another thing you look at. You know, you see Cam Young and his success, and you see John Rom and how he hasn't really played up to his standard mm-hmm. for the whole year, and it's like he's driving it that well. He must not be do, doing very well with. I haven't looked at his Iron Game stats, strokes gain approach, but for him to not. To him, to, for him to be number one, the number one ranked driver of the golf ball, and for him not to be winning more than he's he's winning. Obviously, I know he struggles with the putter occasionally, which that, yeah, that's that been a lot of talk it, with him this year. Has been his his putter. Um, he's actually John Rahm's twenty fifth approach the green. So it really is it really is the putter then around that's the really gr- around the back. green too. He's one hundred forty fifth around the greens and he's fifty ninth in putting. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He's just not. I mean, really, if you look, God, he's he's fifth. Rom's fifth tee to green and sixth total, and is in a slump. Doesn't win. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that, that that's the thing about these stats and we talk about it all the time. You look at all these stats and you add them up. I mean, if you're, if you're one of the top ranked players in these stats, you're going to make a shit ton of money because you're going to always finish in the top 10 for the most part. But to win, you've got to make kind of like Cam Smith. You've got to make these big putts. It really, to win tournaments, you know, they always say drive for show, putt for dough. And it really hasn't gone away. I know we talk about ball striking as the key to making money. So it shouldn't be drive for show, putt for dough. It should be something else. Drive for show, putt for the trophy, you know, because if you want to win, I know this don't rhyme, so we can come up with something better. It doesn't work. <laughs> if you want to work well on a bumper sticker. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't work well. I mean, I'm, that's never been my thing. So anyway, I'll let somebody else come up with that slogan. <laughs> but if you want to win, you've got to make those putts. I mean, which he did in the U.S. Open at Torrey. That was the difference for him. He drove the ball and hit the ball probably the same that he's always he always has, but he made some of these clutch putts. And that's every look at Tiger. How do we? Why do we know Tiger for winning tournaments? You you remember him making, you remember him making putts at uh, the 2000 PGA Championship. You remember him making putt at the putt at the 2008 U.S. Open. I mean, I can go on and on about how many putts he's made to win tournaments, but that's what you remember. I mean, when was the last time you remember Rory making a, a big putt? Or John Rahm making a big putt. John Rahm making the putts at, at Tory. That was it. Tory, that was it to win. Yeah, and then Rory. I mean, I, I really can't think of Rory making any big putts. I mean, he, I guess there was those are the weeks that he just was so much better than everybody else. Tee to green that he just he didn't have to. He didn't have to. But typically, for the guys who want to win on the PJ Tour and win a major, you're going to have to make a lot of putts. Um, you, you've got to be firing all cylinders. You can't. You can't win by. You know, just hitting tee to green and just you know two putt and you know the par fives. I mean, most courses aren't necessarily set up like so, that. Anymore, yeah. But. Well, it's like we said, the the ball strikers are going to be up there, always in contention to make a bunch of money. And if a fantastic ball striker can just get a a semi putt weekend, they're going to win with the putter. They're going to win. Yeah. So, any other any other takes on any other guys in the field? Uh, you want to talk about Brian Harmon at all? Um, nah, no. Okay. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, we could, but no, I was just kind of scrolling on the leaderboard here and his name popped out as something that would be funny. So, uh, how did you guys think the golf course played this week? There's a lot of talk. Um, I think some of it was overstated going into the week. Cause we touched on it briefly last week, Jay, that the, the open championships haven't been I mean, there's a lot of times in the teens wins. Um, St. Andrews itself, if you look at the winning score in its history, has always been high teens. Mm -hmm. You know, hell, Nick Faldo in 1990 won at 18 under. So, you know, there's a lot of chatter amongst the national media going into it that, oh, it's it's going to show that, you know, we need to roll back equipment and the modern game has gotten too, um, you know, out of hand for St. Andrews and it can't can't hold up to the modern game anymore. They are they are lucky. I will say this. They are lucky that place was hard as concrete because there wasn't much weather, there wasn't any wind. Yeah. Um, if that plate has had was soft at all, they would have ate it up because they put some of those paints in some 30 under par. Yeah, it would have been stupid because I mean they, they guys have wedges all the time if they're not driving the green, they're chipping it from 50 yards off or putting it from 50 yards off. And they were able to tuck the whole locations, you know, on these just over these ridges where guys were like, well, I can't land it right there. It's going to land on a downslope and I'm off the like, back of the green. So I got to try to bump it up. Um, and so, 
you know, the, the winning score wasn't far off of, you know, again, past opens, especially at, at St. Andrews. I'm not sure I loved or, or hated it in all honesty. It, it does seem short. It, the, it's like, okay, let's just all hit it up inside of 20 yards of the green and see who can have the best lag putt and, or chip. Yeah. Or, I, I don't know. I don't know what I thought about the, how the course played. It wasn't a – it's tough to say this because of the history of the property, but to me it wasn't a major championship caliber setup. Agreed. Of course, doesn't play with that difficulty that you look for from a major championship. Now, if you have a bunch of the weather that comes in that we're known for – or that not we're known for, but that this tournament is known for. It does play a little bit different, but you can't really count on that. Um, I I know they run the risk of getting it too difficult that if weather does play a part, ultimately the golf course is unfair and they lose the golf course. So they have to they have to kind of toe that line. But I'm not sure what you can do. I mean, I think something needs to be done, but I'm not sure what you can do. No one's getting ready to go in there and start adding tee boxes to the sanctuary that is the home of golf, right? Well, and, and part of it is some of those tee boxes they play aren't even on the golf course. They use um, two or three other golf courses from the St. Andrews property. There's, there's seven golf courses there. There's a couple other tee boxes that these players are actually walking to because it's such a tight, tight piece of property. If you look at an aerial... You know, it's a tiny sliver, and there's a golf course on both sides of it and on, on the back side of it. And so they're using tee boxes from some of these other golf courses to just get it to the length that it's at already. So, you know, they can't, you know, bastardize it. And it is the most important golf course that we have in our game. And I don't want to see them go away from it. But I don't know. Like I said earlier, you know, that uh, someone put on, on Twitter it was the two putt for birdie open. Like that's kind of what it was. Um, no one was really making putts because it was so hard to get close. Um, but they had to have it that firm. They had to have the the pins in that hard a location to get to, or it would have been 26 under par. You know, it would have been the freaking Sony Open out there. I think I think you've got to grow it in. You've got to add some bunkers. I think it's just what has to be done. I think you can do that, and you can preserve the integrity of the property, the integrity of the golf course uh, itself, while also adding some difficulty. Um, I don't think it has to be done with pure distance. I think there is opportunity where it can be done um, with putting a little bit more trouble in play, not making the fairways quite as forgiving. I think if the since the golf course is shorter, even if weather plays a part in that, you can make the course still playable. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'd, I'd like, I would actually say, get rid of all the rough almost where, okay. where okay. the golf, where the golf ball can keep running and running and running and potentially get into a bunker or get into some more trouble versus just running into some rough and stopping. Um, especially when it's that firm, they're not stopping the ball from the fairway. Yeah. I mean, how many yeah. times do you see a ball back up? Almost never this week. Um, so it almost be like if they just had all short grass and add a couple bunkers, like you said, and now you got more opportunity for that golf ball. They have less control over it when it hits the ground and that ball does eventually run into a bunker. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, at times I love it. Like I, I love Lynx golf. I, it's just a cool style of golf. It's different. 
Um, I don't, I've actually played better on Link's style when using the ground versus trying to just fly it right to the flag like you do in America. And, you know, in order to get one to six, six feet, you got to land it, you know, six feet. And so I do like Link's golf. I love watching it. I will say this, it's, it's the one tournament and this is more so than the masters, the open, wherever it is, you know, the U S open, um, that I'll watch the early round coverage just to watch it. Cause it's fun and unique and different where I'm watching the Kevin Kisner, who was, you know, way back or whoever, just to see what's going on. It's more entertaining to me, but yeah, I don't, I just don't, I don't know. What were your thoughts, Jay? With the, with the setup. Yeah. Just the whole, how it played. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we knew what we were what we were going to get. I mean, in, in all honesty, we knew we were going we was going to play easy, especially when they looked at the weather forecast. So I, I agree, McLean, that I don't think it was a championship, you know, setup. But I don't think they really had they don't have much of an option. You know, they set it up the best that they could. But again, they're going to go to St Andrews, you know, every five to seven years just because of the history, and I'm okay. I'm okay with seeing a couple, you know, low scores every, you know, every five to seven years just to see the golf course. Um, in my opinion, just to see those famous holes, um, just to sit around with, you know, my buddies or my son who's never really paid attention to it. Maybe, you know, in the next five to seven years, you know, when they go back, um, uh, we can talk about it and I can go back and explain some of the history with it. I think that'll be cool. So he can really appreciate how incredible this place was and i'm okay if it if it turns into 20 under if it's 15 under if they get to 22 23 you know okay but the the one good thing about it is it plays it plays that way for everybody and usually it's always a close a pretty close fight you know all the way to the end which which we had i mean it, it really came down i mean it was we, we were pulling for rory all the way to the end and cam posted a number and rory couldn't get it done but it was still it was still entertaining all the way through. So again, with that's a great, with all, a great leaderboard too. So the cream kind of rose with a great top. leaderboard, lots of great players, which is what you want. You want to see the best players compete at the end, which we've all talked about, you know, in the last you know six months, the, the, the main goal is to get all of the best players playing on the same, uh, same course under the same, in the same tournament, same conditions under the same roof, uh, which we got. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I mean, I, again, I, I'm okay with, uh, you know, passing up on, you know, really, really tough test because the, the cool thing about, like you mentioned, the Lynx golf, you're going to see some creativity and different shots on that course, regardless of how easy it plays um, that you don't, we don't see. So if I get to watch St. Andrews and the guys shoot 20 under par and I get to watch them putt from 50, 60 yards off the green or, you know, hit a bump and run shot from 70 yards up a bank and try to, you know, curl it around. That's pretty cool, regardless of what um, what everyone's shooting. If it's 10 under or 20 under, I don't care if they're all hitting these cool shots and it's different terrain. We don't get to see that in the U.S. So uh, we're, I'm kind of enamored with the tournament. Uh, I wish it wasn't at the same time as the Virginia State Open so I could watch a little bit more <laughs> of it. But, you know, I wake up early and turn it on as long as I can. And But yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. I, I wish to, you know, I wish maybe it could be a little bit um, not quite as easy, but at the same time, we're getting to see it's not the easy that we see in the U.S. where it's driver wedge, plug it by the green, make a putt. You know, that gets yeah. that's we've seen that a, a thousand times. So, 
Just a little uh, state open hack for you, Jay. If you miss the cut, you can still watch the open on Sundays. That's what I do. Mm. Miss the cut. You get to play in the open right. for two days, and then you still get to watch the British open on Sunday. So it's really best of both worlds. Or if you make the cut and then tee off last, you get to watch a big chunk of the US o- or the, the British open <laughs> on Sunday. And then you just miss the back nine. My, my claim to fame in the state open, McLean, is that Jay and I had the same tee time one year. <laughs> it was a it was a reverse horseshoe i was gonna uh, say what tee were you teeing off on jay, jay and i were the last two players on the driving range and he's like hey what time are, what time are you i'm like the same as you just i'm on number 10 in last place uh you're first you're the leader going off number one uh <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> mm. so um, yeah, I mean, I, I love, I love St. Andrews. I, I hope they never leave. It's awesome to watch. And just like you said, Jay, I think you're right. It's yeah. So if they shoot 20 under every year. Awesome. Great. We're going to watch it and have fun doing it and enjoy the, the yeah. history and the the scenes and the, and the views of that, that town just right there on the golf course. And it's, it's unbelievable, you know, it's remarkable. So let's get to tiger. Um, didn't play well, played awful. In, in all honesty, um, which was kind of surprising. I thought he just seemed like primed and ready to have, I didn't, I never thought he was going to contend, but I thought he could sneak into a top 25 um, at this place, knowing what he knows about it and how his current game is not having to hit it a mile and be creative around the greens. I thought this just kind of was his best opportunity to finish high and to see him miss the cut by that much was surprising. Um but so I was Friday, I was actually out in my yard mowing the grass and I was listening to the coverage, um, the radio coverage of the open when I was mowing and tiger was on 17 green and I stopped and went inside. I was like, okay, I just want to watch this scene of him finishing. Um, and it was, it was cool. I'm not sure I'll ever forget that moment of him walking up the 18th at St. Andrews with everyone going nuts having his his moment he didn't stop on the smoking bridge he did take his cap off while he was walking across and you know home on fitzpatrick stop and kind of let him ha- have the stage and i thought like i brought it up earlier i thought it was like really cool fate destiny whatever that rory was on the first fairway jt was on the first tee like kind of like two of his biggest boys on tour that he's not necessarily mentored but has shared a lot with plays a lot with down in Jupiter. I was just like, uh, this is the the old guard, the new guard, especially with how JT and Rory have been so outspoken, staunch defenders of the tour and, you know, the faces of golf. Um, recently, I just thought it was symbolic in a way. Uh, I'd be lying to say if I didn't have a, a tear in my eye watching it, it was, he had a, a tear in his eye. I just thought it was a really, really cool scene, even though he missed the cut. Um, I don't think I'll ever kind of forget that moment. Yeah. I, I, I didn't get to see it live, but I obviously saw the, the recap of it, but um, I mean, I've looked at it in a, in a different way and it's, it's even more sad to, to me because I feel like as a player, um, this is that th- those emotions that tiger had is is he knew he not he knew he knows that this is it like he's he's done he is done 
He's done, done, done. He cannot compete. He cannot compete on the PGA Tour with his current ability uh, and and the way his body is. He cannot compete, uh, and I think he's done. It sucks. It's 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 sad because I, I you know you want to watch Tiger compete and play, but I, I'm 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 saying this not because I'm trying to bring it to fruition, but I'm just I, I really truly oh. believe that he walked across that that bridge and walked down 18 knowing that like hey i can't do this i can't do this anymore i can't i can't physically walk and play enough golf to compete at that level um and i'm playing on the easiest the easiest walk that i could possibly play on and i say the easiest walk in golf and on a course that i know more about than anyone else in the field and i'm going to finish close to last and I've been doing nothing for the last two months but preparing for this moment, and I'm finishing last. Like that's, I think it was more of a monumental, a, a moment for him where he was taking it all in, but also knowing like, hey, this is, this is probably the last time that I'm really gonna even be in this moment and compete. Um, and I, I, I've been in that that situation in a different setting. You know, I remember when I was at Q School in 2017, and I was in second stage, and I. I got to the last hole. I was two shots uh, or three shots away from getting my card. I needed to, I needed to make an Eagle to even have a chance, but I'm knowing that I couldn't make a double Eagle and I'm walking down the fairway ahead of everybody else. And I'm just, you know, I didn't, I'm losing it knowing like, this is it 14 years. I'm done. I can't, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm out. Like I, it doesn't matter if I make an Eagle here. I'm going to miss by one. I made birdie and miss by two. Um, but you, you like the emotion takes over. And you know, like, this is it. And I have a, I mean, I'm not trying to predict the future, but I have a feeling that that's what he was looking at. I was like, I, I can't do this. Like, I'm not going to compete anymore. I'm 46 and I'm tattered. Like watching him walk down the fairway the way that he did. He looks, you know, and a, a fellow player that I played with this week said this. He's like, he looks like a, a 15 year old offensive lineman veteran in the NFL. Like he's just battered and broken. Like he can't move anymore. No, he just. He can't do it. And it sucks because everybody wants to watch him. We love when he, when he's out on the golf course, we love, but we love when he's actually competing and like, I don't want to watch Tiger shoot, you know, nine over par. Like I, you know, I'd rather him. It's like watching Michael Jordan play for the wizards. It's like, man, I just retire. <laughs> I don't want to watch you. You know, I don't want to watch that. Yeah. Although I'll say Michael Jordan played pretty damn well for the wizards, but <laughs> You know, you don't want to watch your your yeah, heroes like saying. really fade away, um, and it's kind of a bummer. And I I think he's kind of I, I feel like he's doing that at the seeing that at this point, which kind of sucks for all of us. But we knew it was going to come to an end at some point. Yeah, there was some finality kind of behind it. Mm-hmm. But um, it would have been so cool for you know for Rory to walk down number one. The tip of the cap from Rory to Tiger, and that's Tiger even mentioned that like that kind of got him emotional, seeing Rory kind of tip the cap, and he kind of felt that like changing of the guard, passing of the torch, and like it was just like that's the moment that you're like Rory, do it, get it Let's done, go. dude. This is like Tiger's passing it on to you, and he just he just couldn't do it, and it kind of sucks, you know. Yeah, it sucks as a golf fan. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it you know again. Growing up, like this was my Tiger was my like first memory of like even getting excited about golf, you know, like getting into it. Like he made golf cool. I mean, he really did. Yeah. And um, it's just like it's like here's one of your your you know heroes. You know, I should say that with in light. I mean, he's only six years older than me, but 
like somebody that like sparked all of this, you know, you know, drive to like get better. And then it's like, man, this guy's, this is really it. You know, I, and I, when he got hurt, the, the first, the, the first injury with the back and then was coming back for the, before the 2019 masters and everyone was saying he was done. I like, I knew he was going to win again. And I didn't, I wanted to put money on him winning a major and I didn't do it. And, uh, but this one coming back from this, I just, I, 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 after watching him play and move, I'm like, there's just no possible way. No, um, it's no over. Possible he, way. he knew going into this tournament that it was his last chance at St. Andrews. Um, I don't know that he knew it was going to be really his last chance to do anything because there's going to be no major championship venues, I think, coming up where he's going to have a chance at, at competing. Uh, I don't think he can get his legs strong enough to – walk 72 holes at Augusta next year. I don't think it's going to happen two years, three years from now. The next time he plays in a golf tournament, he has a chance of winning. It'll be on the senior tour with an easy go underneath him. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the only time I think we will see him potentially compete again in a golf tournament. Um, and it will be underneath the golf cart. And the bad part is that he won't be able to play in the senior majors and compete because even in those events, they walk. So yeah. it's uh it's unfortunate because I just I don't see him playing in any major tournaments and competing. He may reinvigorate the Champions Tour, and that, I think that's fantastic if he does going out there and playing in the Mitsubishi Electric Classic and uh, you know, Guard. He's gonna be a big Guard. Guard, you know, three time winner of the Guard. I bet. Right. So, and I, I tell you what, I'm not going if he does play. Nothing I will watch any of that. No, without question, we're oh yeah. He's going to be out there beating up on Gene Sowers, and it's going to be, it's going to be riveting. Bernard Longer is still going to be playing when Tigers. Bernard Longer will the, still the, be leading the Charles Schwab Cup. We're Seventy-five years old. Will still be leading the Charles Schwab Cup. No, and I'm not trying to talk shit about Champions Tour. I watch it, and I I enjoy watching it. I'm, I'm not trying to badmouth any of those guys, but that is the only time that you will see him potentially compete in a golf tournament again, and. It, if you can't put a card underneath him, I just don't think he can walk a golf course and be competitive doing it. But I also, I also don't know if he can in between events, get enough practice to do it. I also don't think he can play in enough events yeah. to get enough tournament reps to do it with any success well, either. Exactly. Right. So that's what I was saying about, you know, he can't pick and choose just the majors. And if he, if he doesn't, if he's not physically able to play in tournaments to get ready for the majors, then he's not going to be ready for the majors. So like, for, not just from a walking standpoint, but from like a sharpness standpoint. So it's like, if you can't play enough to get ready for the majors, then you're not going to be ready, you know, for the majors in terms of not, you know, the physicality of it all, but just like the, you know, the touch, the feel, the putting the short game shots. He's like, he's not sharp. And that's what I mean. He's just, he can't, unless, unless he makes some weird commitment and says, I'm going to just fight through the pain and play a 15 or, tw you know, 20 tournament schedule, no which doesn't sound like he has zero interest in doing, um, then, then there's no chance that he's going to be ready to compete. Um, yeah, shorter, shorter season on the live tour might be able to go there. He should. If I were him, I would have taken that seven hundred and fifty million that they were offering him, and just right off into the sunset. Hundred <laughs> percent with with I, the uh, current European Ryder 
Cup captain and the current British Open winner. So let's let's get to some live news real fast. I don't want to belabor this point and go on. Just yeah. so talk some Premier Golf. It's <clears throat> it sounds like uh, Henrik Stenson is headed to live and is going to be stripped of his um, captaincy for the Ryder Cup. He knew this going into it. It was kind of a choice, Ryder Cup captain or live. And at first he made the Ryder Cup captain decision, you know, five, six, seven months ago, whenever that was. Sounds like he's now going. So nothing's been official, but all the reports are leaning that way. You know, there are whispers of Cam. He did get asked about it in the winning press conference yesterday. Uh, that answer did not go over that question did not go over well with him. And what the was answer that quote? Did, I saw that, but I missed it. So I, I was watching it. Um, I had recorded like the live from, and last night I was sitting down late watching it kind of flipping through and, and I was like, Oh shit, they asked him. And he was like, dude, I just won the British open and you're sitting here asking me about this. That's not good. And then he said, his follow-up was, um, I don't know. I let my team handle and make those handle that and make those decisions. He gone. Just weird. Like, so you, you don't make any decisions for yourself. You just let your agent do it all. That's kind of weird. But um, that's, I was like, Oh, that's not a great answer. <laughs> so uh, David Faraday is uh, leaving NBC to now be an analyst, uh, part of the propaganda machine on YouTube. Uh, with Jerry Fultz there, and they can all be a big happy family together, like Fultz was talking about a couple of weeks ago. I will say that if now that now that Faraday is there, it may be a little bit more entertaining. Maybe a little there. bit more. Someone's like, "Oh, hey, they're getting all the washed up old, near retired uh, <laughs> announcers now too." <laughs> I mean, I don't know why he's not. You know, he. I mean, I know he's been still doing some like he does the on course commentary. You know, he follows with a group, but like, I mean, that guy's funny. I mean, let's be honest. Like, he's a funny guy. Like, he he should be more more involved with more of the color. You know, in the. Yeah, I think he might be losing touch a little bit with with the the modern games slightly. Yeah, um, but he's still but, got a good relationship with a lot of the players. Yeah, he does. I I, I like Faraday a lot. I, I, he he makes me chuckle and it's entertaining. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know the the, the Stenson thing. Man, I, really? Like that's you want, so that's really surprising, especially you want the money that, that bad, dude. You want the money that yeah. bad that you're going to give up the legacy of being a Ryder cup captain. Like that's pretty shitty to me. We all know I fucking I mean, hate the live golf tour and I don't support any of these guys going over there. And I don't like what it's doing to golf. And actually now that the, the, the majors are done, I got sad. I'm like, okay, well, I hope you guys enjoyed that this past weekend. Cause we may never see these guys play golf together again. Um, cause <laughs> the, R, the RNA, the RNA is not in support of it. And they have, they are a decision maker on the official world golf rankings. I, I think I know where their vote is after listening to Martin slumbers and his press conference on Wednesday, he came out pretty hard against it. Tiger came out pretty hard against the live more so than he ever has. And it's just, it's just kind of sad. But I'm like, but really Stenson, you care that much about some, $50 million that you're going to give up the legacy of uh, being the captain in a Ryder cup. Like, come on, dude. I mean, it's only, you're only like two months away. Like you would think like, just get, 
get that Ryder Cup. No, it's next year. This year's the President's Cup. Oh, is it? Is it? Okay, you're right. Okay, well, that's the case. Well, but that's the situation these guys are in. You're not going to be able to capitalize forever like they can currently. Yeah. You jump ship right now, you stand to make more money than they will ever have the opportunity to make. You may not have that opportunity in 18 months. And at the end of the day, if he can get 50 right now, I can guarantee you his golfing career will probably not allow him to make $50 million playing the PGA tour and DP world tour moving forward in both. No, I I get that. I understand that, but like, okay. I I agree with you, Mike. It's very surprising when you're, when you're 75 years old and you're sitting there with your grandkids and you're going to say, Oh, you know what? I had a chance to be, I played in a couple of Ryder cups. Oh, well, grandpa, were you ever the captain? No, I had a chance to, but I wanted to go play in the Portland invitational on the live golf tour. Oh, grandpa, what was the live golf tour? Oh, it was nothing because it was fucking run by a bunch of well, douchebags. Paid for and... your college fund, kid. Yeah, or he could say, "Yeah, I supported you, and I, you, you're set for life." And and I took a chance, and I was trying to be a pioneer to make a change for professional golf. And he's not trying to know. make a change for professional golf, though. But, so here's here's another question. What, you don't know what his motive is. You don't know what his motive is, but maybe it is. But I'm just saying, in terms of the money, he could. This is he he potentially based on what we've heard from a lot of these guys getting more money than he will ever get for the remainder of his career playing golf. And he could set his family up and his, his kids and his grandkids up for, for life. Um, and I, I don't know what these guys are going to do with their money, but they've got options based on, I, I, so, I get that. I don't want to relitigate all this stuff with, with the money and the kids education and that bullshit. Um, legacy, legacy matters at some point too. Sure. Sure. Um, but, I mean, every, every, everything's got its, at its, got its price. So and he's, I mean, he's if, not if, doing if we this. Bring to it change. up. If we want to talk about it. If we want to talk about, if we want to bring up the live tour and how it's, you know, it's, it's ridiculous that he would make the decision. I'm just here to say why he would do it and why that, some other that, people have done it. So that that's fine. That's fair, but he's yeah. not doing it to be an advocate for change. He's doing it to sail off into the sunset with a big fat signing bonus. Like, like a lot Probably. of these guys are. The other yeah. question is, why does Live Golf want him? I don't. That I don't know. They want it just <laughs> to stir, just to stir the pot and have an fu to the. That's all Maybe. they're doing this to just be I, agent, I agents will, of agents of chaos. I will say that, like, if if this does, uh, and again, we've we've all agreed that we don't, I we don't care about uh, the Live Golf Tour. Obviously, you do not like the Live Golf Tour. I'm indifferent for who it is. I don't care if it's Live Golf, Premier Golf, whoever. I do like the fact that there is someone, another contender to spark change. We've already made that that clear. So I don't want to make it sound like I love Live Golf. I don't don't care, um, but I do like that there's some another player that's provoking some change. But if in fact this other tour or if something greater comes from this, the biggest pioneer in all this is you know who. Not Greg Norman, not the Saudis, but the one who took the biggest jump of all of these players. Phil Mickelson. Mr. 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 IQ of, you know, a, a thousand. Dustin Johnson took the biggest chance of everybody. I mean, oh, he oh, honestly. Sorry, yes. He, he had everything made on the PJ Tour. He was one of the most, he was the best player cons, cons, from a consistency standpoint on tour 
since the day he set set foot on tour. He won every, every single year since he's been on tour. I mean, he was the most marketable guy for for TaylorMade. I mean, he took the biggest gamble to go over there. So if if in fact this ever does work, um, then I, I, he does deserve a little bit of credit. If if it, even if it's not even if it's not live, even if it turns into something else, or the PGA Tour makes changes, big changes, it should go back to him for for making taking the chance and making the change. Now, granted, he got a lot of money, but you you. Again, when look back in history, when somebody makes takes a chance and makes a big change, that's not common, or it's not the the common thread for everyone to say, "Oh, that's that's a great idea." But when things start to pan out and they settle and they look like, "Oh, you know what? He had the foresight." And I'm not going to give Dustin any credit on having any foresight here, but it, it takes someone to blaze a trail that that would that that doesn't care about the ramifications of 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 the legacy and, and some of the, the preconceived notions of what he should or shouldn't do on based on the, the, the past tour or the past, uh, past circumstances, you know, I, again, I'm not trying to give him too much credit, but I am trying to say that it was a big jump. And if no, it you're does right. pan he, out, he deserves that. He does deserve a little bit of credit. You're, you're right. He is, he is the, the guy that kind of everyone stepped back and was like, Oh, Whoa. Like Phil was, no the one would have gone if he didn't go. Yeah, pretty much. I, I, I'm 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 certain if he didn't go once he went, everyone's like, oh well, shit. I mean, if Dustin, I mean, he was the he was the most marketable, one of the most marketable guys that we had in the U.S. And if he's gone, you know, this must be a real thing. So yeah, um, well, I just I mean, it's yet to be seen. But the biggest thing that I, I come back to is I just question why would they want Henrik Stenson, and what is the overall goal and purpose of the live golf tour. Well, it's to build a tour with 54 names that you're familiar with, and they're going to keep checking them off one at a time. But why? my question is what happens to these guys when they get outside of their top 54, you know, what's JC Richie doing right now? You know, yeah, that, I, I agree. I agree. I want to know what to know. How, how does the status work for getting into this event? Like there's no feeder system. Seen- we haven't haven't seen any tier system. What happens when like, hey, what if ninety PGA Tour players try to defect and then they have to start to figure out like, hey, sorry, Ricky, you actually aren't playing well enough. You're not in the event this week. You know? Yeah, because we That's gave Lee Westwood a contract. Like, yeah, exactly. Like Lee Lee Westwood. Like, hey, dude, sorry, man, we've got you know fifty other top players in the world that are playing. You can't play this week. You're not getting paid. Like. I don't, we haven't seen any notes on the hierarchy of how to get in. I don't know what anything about this, it. Because I know they've, they've stated that next year they're going to 14 events and the goal is to have 48 contracted um, players. But what if somebody gets hurt? Like, yeah, who fills that spot and how do you determine that? And if you're going to make this whole team thing serious, which they have not yet by far because they just, are changing teams on a whim and pulling yeah. captains off one team and putting them on another team. It's like, what, how do you, I don't, I don't know. It's it, that whole odd thing is weird. There's but. a, there's a lot of holes in, in the, in the system for sure. Like it, it it's not clear. Um, and it's hard to, how, how are we going to follow a team and get behind a team when the team changes every week with different players from a different team? Like yeah. that part is really inconsistent to me. The, the hierarchy of who gets into the, Events is not consistent, and I think they they definitely need to 
clean that up if they want to have a legitimate shot of making this a real thing. Otherwise, you're right. Otherwise, people are going to get, they're going to, okay, the, the newness of this whole thing is going to wear off. And everyone's going to be like, yeah, this is a hokey yeah, thing right, I'm not watching anymore. Right now, you can kind of get, if you're a guy that's on the fence, you know, I'm not, I'm not a guy on the fence, but if you're a guy on the fence, you can kind of look, you know, look at some of the the weird things like this whole team thing and say, oh, well, they're new. They're working it out. They'll figure it out. But if they don't, right, they have the benefit of the doubt from that guy right now. Like, oh, they'll new. They'll, they'll figure it out. They don't quite figure it out. They're going to lose. They're going to lose people and be like, okay, well, this is just a rinky dick tour. You guys have no idea what you're doing. No question. hundred percent. I agree. I agree. It, it, and it has given, it's already given that impression a couple of times. Just yeah. the the lack of organization. Like if you're going to roll out and put that much money, you need to have, where's your marketing team? Where Who are the organizers uh, for this tour? Like you should have this, all this planned out. It should be ready to go. And you need to think to of all out. the other stuff. Like, okay, if, if a have, if X happens, what's, you know, yep. what's the next step? And then what's the next step yep. after that? And then think of all the potentials of they're, what could happen and how you're going to handle those. They're definitely, they're definitely lacking in that for sure. I've, I've definitely watched, watched the event, like just the two events that I've watched and, and them not having like a clear plan on who's playing each week. Like, I don't know who's, how, who, how are you determining the field? Like if you keep asking all these guys to come play, who are you kicking out? Like what's, is there a ranking system? You know, that, that would be nice to know, like, Hey, he's on the, he's on the list. Like, here's our list of players. We got 70 players. And if you're not, if you haven't made enough money, money list, whatever it is, you know, we, for fans, we want to know what to expect, you know, and it doesn't look like they've thought that, that part through. Yeah. Like if, if you're going to sign all these guys to five-year contracts, like what if someone just absolutely sucks after year two and like, are you going to really going to watch these guys just completely suck for three more years? Like, what if Lee Westwood signs a five-year contract and then is just a fucking shell of himself, like Phil is right now? Like it's like it's like other professional sports. I think to a yeah, certain there's exactly. there's a large majority of it that is guaranteed, and ultimately if they don't play up to their um, their potential or their worth, whatever you want to call it, um, I think they can cash out and just basically say, "Hey, we owe you your guaranteed money. We're going to pay you out and You're be up. done with you." I don't think at this point they're generating the revenue in the proper uh, or, or generating enough revenue that they can actually really jump on that business model. But I think it's pretty evident that they're trying to formulate this the way other major professional sports operate. Yeah. And they, while they don't have the, um, the revenue coming in at this time, they still have, or they're still trying to set up that um, those same, I don't know, monetary benefits to the players. Uh, I would yeah. also bet that the teams end up expanding and they have two or three guys on a bench um, yeah. that are all contract players, almost like a, a college team, um, because that's, that's the nearest competitor that we've seen to this format. Not, I don't know, maybe competitor. Um, it, it's model. The, the, model. the closest yeah. model that we've seen so far. And, and, and then you've got, and then you've got to say you have a captain with six players and he's got to pick four players for the tournament. Now you start to see a whole nother element of like, okay, what do they do for the, their captain? Like, wh- what are you going to do to coerce your captain to pick you for the week? That, that's a whole nother. Yeah, there's no point thing. to the captain. It's just like a name thing. Like they don't do anything. Yeah. 
But if you have to pick, say you have a pool of 10 players on your team and you've got to pick, you know, I don't think it's picking. I think it's qualifying. And that's well, what gets, I, that's what gets an extra uh, an extra element to it. You know, now all of a sudden you could have a Tuesday qualifying round televised. Now you've got an extra day of golf that could be televised with some sort of drama to set the teams. If you look at uh, F one, that's example, a good point. Which is, which is how they're trying to structure this, which I think is what they've said previously that they like the F one system and they want this to feel like that. That's certainly I think where the scoreboard come from. I think that's what everyone would agree with. Um, you know, they, they televise the qualifying. That's a part of the whole week. That's the second largest yeah. event of the entire week. So at the yeah. end of the day, this is, gives us an opportunity that could be unique and it offers an additional, yeah. um, you know, round of golf that provides a little drama. And since they have a limited schedule, there's no reason they couldn't be in a venue for 10 days, for example. So let's say you have a qualifying on a Tuesday and or Wednesday, whatever it is, and then the players get a break and then they go play the remainder of the week. I mean, th- there's there's opportunity there versus just coming in on Monday and playing a um, a qualifying round. Those guys can show up during the weekend, get comfortable with the golf That's course, good. go qualify, go play. That's a good point. I mean, that, that would be that could add a little bit more of the drama and, and counteract the, the guaranteed money. So it's like, OK, you're you have a guaranteed contract with the tour. But if you want to play in the in the event and be part of your team, you need to qualify for it. That could add a little bit of drama for sure. If that's the way they go, that that would that would be unique for like a Monday, Tuesday you know, even a Wednesday round where they're, they're playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever they end up doing. I know that's they've kind of, they've, they've been doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? Yeah. Yes. You guys can share your thoughts with Norman when we go to the event um, in a couple months. I'm excited. Yeah. We're going to the, uh, buy you guys, I'll buy you guys hats and t-shirts. Did and we all get our credentials? No, I haven't. I haven't, gonna, I haven't tried yet. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, try to get on that this week, but uh, real fast. I'm watching the the replay up here in front of me. Cam Smith hit a fucking dirty, dirty pitch shot on number ten for a birdie. I'm so, I forgot about that until just now. It was just classy. Uh, sorry, it was phenomenal. Cozied up there like two feet. Anyway, sorry. Let's um, this pod's running long, so let's go to our uh, the big big event of the week, the 3M Open in Detroit. That's all I'm going to say about the event. Who wants to go first? <laughs> um, I'll go first um, since I put super, super um, little thought in, into this. Um, here. I just br- briefly went through this. I mean, I, I know that this is one of the bigger events of the year, but I just didn't prepare for it. So sorry. Um, I'm going to start at the bottom and I'm going with our boy, Joe Bramlett. Love he's it. gonna come out hot. He's feeling good. He's he's been on the pod. He's got a lot of mojo. The bump finished 39th last week. The Barracuda, and he's gonna bring the heat at the 3M, and he's gonna blast it. He's gonna hit it like 330 off the tee every week or every every hole. So he's at 7,000. Giving him a shot. Wyndham Clark at 7,500. He. He's kind of a little bit sporadic, but he's put together some some good some good golf. He obviously made the cut of the Open Championship last week and finished 16th at the uh, Scottish Open, 35th at the Travelers. So he, he's been playing. He's trending for the price at 7,500 bucks. If he makes the cut, gives me a top 25. Given the field, I think it will be uh, it will be well suited. 
Um, and then I'm jumping up to my boy, Brendan Steele. He's put together a nice little, nice little run the last five weeks, six weeks, um, four top 25s. So, and, and made, you know, the last seven cuts at 8,300 bucks. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what what we just witnessed there was Jay in real time trying to talk himself into being excited about his oh, fix. Man. Can we we gotta get that on a hat? Yeah, yeah thank, thank you. you. Uh JT posted 8500 bucks. We all know what he's he's done here recently. Um uh, open championship, he didn't play well, finished, but again, I think this was his first open. But the weeks prior, first, second. Uh, so I think you get him back in the States on a golf course that's soft and in traditional, you know, American golf, driver wedge, driver nine iron, driver eight iron. I think he on bent grass greens, he's going to flourish. I think he finishes in the top 10. Uh, I'm going to put some shillings on JT finishing the top 10 this week. Kurt, some Kurt shillings. Yep. Um, and then I, I bump up to Davis, uh, Riley. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I'm going to pick him. Um, but everyone said I should. So I love his golf swing. I think it's Purina. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give him a shot. Uh, that's all I got to say about him. Maverick McNeely. I have to say about that. Um, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, three, three top. Three top 20s the last three weeks, and then and, um, nothing really great to ride home out before that. But he's at 9300 bucks, so Maverick's going to win. Just mark him up for a win. Wow. Joe Bramlett, top 25, hopefully better. Davis Riley, top 10. JT Poston, top 10. Sign, seal, delivered. Wow. Big time. There you go. Yeah. Like All right, McLean, you want to go? I'm, I'm ready, baby. All, All right. right. Top of my heat. Guy that has been putting together uh, a lot of current firm form, Mr. Sahith Thigala, 9,800. Uh, moving down from there, again, guy Jay picked for the exact same reasons I put him on my team, Mr. JT Poston. Guy's had a couple of good weeks, missed the cut last week, but someone who's been obviously tip top current form. Uh, moving down from there, another guy who's had a great week last week, put himself in contention, just fell just outside. Uh, Mr. Martin Laird, uh, moving, put himself in contention at the opposite field event, not at the open championship for our listeners. He was at the Barbasol, but that's current form. No, I know. I, I get that. I just wanted Barbasol. to clarify that for the listeners. I appreciate that. That's well, in done. case they're all scratching their head. Like I didn't see Martin. Yeah, Laird didn't, one didn't shot see at the open. There. Well, you know, he was on the West coast coverage. Um, <laughs> Uh, moving south from there, I have two guys at 7,900. Uh, favorite in my heart, West Texas slinger himself, uh, Mr. Ryan Palmer. Uh, and then uh, another guy, current form. Um, well, he fucking missed the cut this last week at Barbasol. But beyond that, guy we've liked a lot on this podcast, Mr. Chris Gotterup. Uh, and then coming in at the bottom end uh guy's been playing really good as of as of recent uh, you look back at some of his finishes he's made a bunch of cuts uh put together about three top uh four top 25s in a row finished six barbasol uh mr adam svenson so look out for him uh to contend again 
and be a great value pick for uh, the old chap here down in South Florida. I'm glad I made a couple changes on my team because McLean, you and I would have had four of the same guys if I didn't make a change here oh, did uh, just before we started this segment. So um, I did have Poston at one point, took him off. I had Svensson, took him off. Um, we do have a couple of the same guys. So I'll start at the bottom. I'm going to go with a podcast friend, Mr. Callum Taron at 7,000. Nice. Callum, he played the heat this week. Let's go. He, he played well last week, just just outside of the top 20 at the Barracuda, uh, finished T22. Then I'm going to go up to um, my guy, Chris Goderup, at $7,900. I was on him a few weeks ago. I'm on him early. I introduced him to our listeners. Um, then I'm going up or staying at 7900 again, and I'm taking Ryan Palmer as well this week. Um, he's been playing. We played well at the Scottish Open. He had last week off, so he's rested. He's acclimated back to the time zone here in the United States. So I, I like Palmer there. Then I'm going up to Brendan Steele, who you heard uh, with Jay, who picked him. Um, played well at Travelers. Played well at Memorial. He hasn't played a ton here recently. Kind of odd looking at his schedule, um, but has been playing well. So I like Brendan Steele. Then I'm gonna go up to 8800 Cameron Tringali. Uh, made the cut at the open, played great at the Genesis. Uh, Jay's giving me the uh, thumbs down, sticking out his tongue. So he'll probably top 10. And now, then I'm going to end with um, your winner, Sung JM at 10,000. One of the uh. favorites. Has not been playing well, but he just plays every week. So he's just going to have some ebbs and flows. In his uh, in his season, so I like Sung J M at ten thousand, and um, that is about it. So, gents, that was fun. It was a little bit of a longer podcast, but we had a lot to break down at the at St Andrews in the Open, and that's our major season is over. So we got the run here for the FedEx Cup playoffs. Yeah, let's get ready for the FedEx Live Tour. Trump Bedminster coming up. For the live, next live event, looking for a lot of exciting things there and more players to come. Probably going to have the strongest more field players. in golf that week. Jesus. I mean, you would blow Greg Norman if he came on this podcast. You would be so excited. Buddy, buddy, if he gave me $100 million, I'd do a lot more than that. If he, gave you a hundred, if he gave you $100, I think you would do a lot more than that. Is it guaranteed? <laughs> You know, Jay, Jay's, Jay's an advocate. He wants he wants to see change, and he's not a complete supporter of the Live. So he says, um, you are a 100% supporter of the Live. You are a fucking fanboy. No, I'm a slut. I go where the money is. I don't blame anybody. Yeah, you are easily bought. Right you are, God, you're fucking greedy. Question. You are so greedy. 100%, Tori. I'm sorry. Show man. me the money. Show me the money. Man. <laughs> on. See ya. No problem. <laughs> Cash in. Goodbye. Cash God. in. Oh, that's Greg. Great. Greg Norman's little bitch boy over there. <laughs> I, I, I look. I'll be honest with you. I want to. I want to show you guys this. This is up. I, I found this uh, on Live Golf Careers speculative application. West Palm Beach, Florida. I am applying speculative <laughs> application. The fuck does that mean? 
that means they're just taking good applicants in this area. And buddy, for what? Like to work on the tour or to play? Look, I'm not expecting anything more than two to four million guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna kick you to curb hey, like JC Richie. I'll take six hundred <laughs> a year. Send me the link, McLean. Yeah. Send me the link. Six hundred a year <laughs> over four years, um, and two million guaranteed. If you if you take a job with them, you're off the podcast because that's a conflict of interest. <laughs> Buddy, it'll, it's going to be paying better, so I'm going to be forced to take it. <laughs> oh, oh shit! All right, um, we're going to end on that note for sure. So, thank right, you, boys. Thank you to our listeners as usual for tuning in, and uh, we'll be back next week with another show. Cheers! Cheers! Live. <laughs> <laughs>